This Sisterhood Through Grief podcast is comprised of a group of women who have lost their spouses and bonded during their time in a grief support group. We are not licensed therapists, rather, we have endured and survived the journey of grief. During our podcast, we will share our stories of how we suffered, what we encountered and conquered during our journeys, and impart raw truths about grieving. As we learned in our group support, we will speak from the I space and always offer non-judgmental support and understanding to each other. We hope to offer our listeners compassionate support by providing empathy and validating one's grief. Knowing you are not alone and having someone who can say, I know how you feel, will be our gift to our listeners to promote healing, offer hope, and ease pain. We always open our podcast by lighting a three-wick candle and reciting a short verse. So let me begin. This first wick is for the past and where we have been. The second wick is for the present and where we are now. This third wick is for the future and where we hope to be. On previous episodes, we mentioned the common coping mechanism of putting on a mask to face the world. This episode, Amy, Brenda, and Chris speak about what is really going on behind the mask. I just know for me, the grief was so enormous and it made me feel really vulnerable. So for a long time, I avoided that vulnerability at all costs. I was wearing a mask both figuratively and literally, literally because I was a dental hygienist, so I had to wear one, but I also wore an emotional mask. I really saw the direct connection of wearing a mask per se and covering up what I was truly feeling in an effort to be okay. People kept saying, you're so strong. So I just continued to show what I thought people wanted to see, but inside I felt so weak. And so when there were comments, there were many times when I was working on patients and there would be comments that I have a little tooth sensitivity and I wanted to like shout, (laughs) thank God I had this mask covering my mouth because I was like, you want me to show you what a real pain is? Because I can, you know, (laughs) the mask helped for a long time on covering what I was truly feeling. That's really funny because I'm a dental hygienist too. <laughs> oh, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. See, how about that? Yeah. Those masks come in handy. I feel like we had many masks and you had to make sure you put on the appropriate mask. Even at home one evening, I revealed to myself, I guess I had a mask on and didn't even identify it. We had moved into our new home and we had a nice spare room downstairs and there was this couch in there that really didn't belong in there and it didn't quite fit. And I decided I was going to move it and the kids were in bed and I started moving this couch and proceeded to get it wedged in a strange corner angle going into the room. And I really thought I was going to have to cut the wall down to get it out. I was getting more and more frustrated. And I realized this built up anger that had was inside me. And I was trying to take the couch apart because I was damaging the wall. 
and it was making me more and more angry, I decided to go in the garage and, and get an axe. And I actually chopped the side of the couch till I had blisters on my hands. And I won. I got the couch out of the room and I was so exhausted. I was sweating. I was shocked that that's not me. And I realized this rage, it needed to come out and it came out on the couch. And my daughter was watching and asked me if I felt better. And she asked if she could swing the axe into the couch. So it was quite an evening. And of course, we had just moved in and we didn't have blinds on our windows yet. So I'm sure my neighbors had a, an idea about me, but I was really surprised at, I'm still angry, but I was just in a rage and my mask hit it. Yeah. There's, you know, at the beginning, your adrenaline's going so much and you're just trying to, it's a new life and you're trying to get everything figured out and done that you, you don't even know what you're feeling. You do put on the mask because you want to be strong for your kids, for the people around you, because you don't want to think that you're failing at anything, you know, crying. It's not a sign of weakness, but society looks at it that way sometimes too. And so, yeah, you just, I would put on a mask, go to work and stay busy, 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 because if I had some downtime, then I would have to think about how I really felt. And I think sometimes it's just so much easier to put on the mask and be strong and just pretend, I mean, no, you're not pretending it didn't happen, but you're just, it takes a long time before you can actually deal with a lot of those feelings because you have all of this love that I think does turn to like a rage. Like it's got to go somewhere. somewhere. <laughs> you love your kids, but you're, you're doing everything and you hate things too, because you're doing them by yourself and you're just, there's not enough hours in the day and you don't want people to see you fall apart. And then some days I would have great days and then I'm smiling and happy. And then I'm like, oh God, whether they're going to think I'm not sensitive. And, and then you put on another mask that, oh, I don't want to seem too happy because they're going to think that I didn't love them. And so you don't even know which mask to pick up and put on. You almost needed like a happy and a sad and a mad mask. So, you know, now with the COVID stuff, <laughs> could just put sad today, happy today, whatever. <laughs> so people would know how you're feeling. We would feel all different things. But then sometimes at night and the quiet times when you had to take off that mask and kind of, you know, unwind and actually deal with how you felt is the hardest thing to do. But that is where your healing and cleansing takes place is when you, you know, by yourself coming with your feelings. And then when we would get with the group and we'd all be like, oh, my God, I felt the same way when Brenda's, you know, axing up the couch. Well, <laughs> How many of us flipped off the driver on the way to Hearts and Hope or whatever, <laughs> like snapped at some grocery store and you didn't mean to, but it just, like, even like we learned in Hearts and Hope about the kids, like they would take so much in. And then like, all of a sudden, I, you know, a lot of us would talk about how our kids would just have this like temper tantrum for no reason, all of a sudden. And, you know, all of a sudden those feelings got all, you know, overflowing and they have to come out somewhere. And so really it's not so good to hide behind the mask so that we can heal quicker maybe. But not putting your mask on leaves you quite vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And we feel like we need to play the, the role, play the professional dental hygienist and, and have the, you know, the appropriate emotions and sensitivities to people's concerns and, and whatnot. 
but laughing and smiling, like you said, Amy, you've got to, it's hard to have people understand how you can even be feeling that way. It's just such an unfamiliar, foggy time and going to work and putting on your mask, it's coping, it's hiding that vulnerability. Well, because you don't know what's going to come out. I mean, there is no book or preparation for grief. No one knows exactly how that is going to feel until you're in it. And it's so, so scary and so, so heavy that I think wearing the mask and showing what I thought people wanted to see, there was some safety behind that because if I didn't do that and I totally showed, I don't know what would have come out. I mean, I think I had so much rage like you and it was scary. It scared me. It scared me the thoughts. And I'd be like driving home thinking there was no way I can really allow this to surface because I've got two kids I've got to take care of. And so, yeah, you wore a lot of different hats. The mask of being a good mom and providing for your kids when inside I was like, this is not what I signed up for. I signed up to have children to share with their father and talk about things with him. I didn't want to do this by myself. This, What fun is in that? It was just so, you know, I lost a lot of enjoyment of even being a parent because I spent so much time not really being my authentic self. I was being what I thought I needed to be to get through it. And there is some power in realizing that, you know, grief is a process and allowing whatever it is that you're feeling to surface is okay. I mean, I somehow I think I related it to being punished or yeah, that if they really saw how I felt and what was really inside me, that I would probably be taken away and locked up. I mean, I think that's literally some of the dark thoughts I had. That's like when I started running and biking, I was always like a swimmer in college and growing up. And then I just remember asking at Hearts and Hope one day, I'm like, I have just all this feelings inside of me, like this love for my husband, but he's not there to love. I kind of, you don't hate them, but you're mad at them for dying. Not that they had any control over it. And then you're mad at your life as being different. And I just didn't, when that stuff builds up in you, it became anxious and depressed and mad. And and so you need like a safe zone to take off your mask and get everything out. And so I would run and bike and I still do now. It's like, you're running away from everything, but you're not, but you can take it off and you would cry and laugh and be out in nature and, you know, see things to see signs. And for me, that helped me release a lot of emotions and, you know, make your body tired so you could actually sleep and just kind of brought new balance. I definitely started embracing my, my running. I love running. And I also felt that it was a, a good model for my kids. Wow. Look how mom's dealing. And they'd even say someday, you know, mom, I think you need to go for a run. <laughs> like, you know, okay. That's a nice way of saying mom, you know, <laughs> please. But that was a great outlet. It still is. It makes you feel like you've accomplished something. It's a positive. It's making a positive out of something so negative. And it doesn't take 
so long, it's cleansing and you can think and work through feelings. And like you said, get your energy out and feel like you're more prepared to handle things when you get back. Yeah. We had a punching bag and I kept it in the closet and (laughs) I don't know why the closet was like my safe spot. Yeah. So when I would really, really feel worked up, I'd go in there. And it's funny you should say that, Brenda, because my kids would see that too. And sometimes they would, I'm just having a bad day. I'm like, do we need the punching bag? And they'd be like, yeah. So we'd all line up. (laughs) But for something so releasing, just punching that bag. And sometimes we yelled and sometimes it was silent, but I know it helped all of us to release that because obviously holding it in is so toxic and not beneficial and you want it to be released in a safe, healthy way. And, and sometimes the anger is the first phase you have to go through to get to the other side. Definitely. Otherwise you don't know, like Amy said, with the, the kids at school and you don't know when it's going to be to back up on you. So if you allow a safe zone to work those feelings out and it doesn't have to be in a therapy session that's scheduled and just talking, it's physical and you're working it out. And I think in the, in your home, it's your safe zone, like you said. Yeah. I think the best way to get rid of those feelings is really talking it out. I mean, you can say it in your head, but as you talk it, you actually release it. And I think when the kids are young, you don't want to scare them anymore because they've already been scared and they're protective over their mothers or the father, whoever's left behind, but letting them see that the feelings are okay to feel, you know, sad sometimes. Or I think I would just even tell my kids, I'm just having, I just feel a little mad today. Not you guys. I just feel mad. I don't know why, (laughs) you know? And so, you know, just go to bed like I asked or whatever, you know, take your showers and, you know, trying to keep everything calm when you're really not calm on the inside. But, you know, I think too, sometimes we would hide behind our whole stories and our grief too, because it it became like our little safe zone as well. Like sometimes, you know, you don't have to move on if you're still like in this little circle of grief and this is my life. And it becomes like a comfort zone where you have to step out of that eventually too. Yeah. And realizing, like you said earlier, you get past the anger stage or work through some of it, and then something will catch you by surprise and you smile or you laugh. And then like, oh boy, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to be doing that. And then there's this overwhelming guilt. So then you put the mask back on because it's like, like you said, I can't be happy. He's not here. He's not not appropriate. It's not appropriate. I mean, laughing when he's not here. I mean, it was like a punch in the stomach. How dare. Yeah, how dare. Yeah, so true. All of that. It's so many different emotions, but. And then you you spin that with life. You've got to deal with your job. You've got to go grocery shopping. You've got to, the holidays are coming. Anniversaries are coming. His birthday's coming. Oh gosh, it's Father's Day. And you spin all of that and you're trying to deal and it's hard. Yeah. It's very hard. The mask kind of helped you check out, I guess, a little bit or numb. Well, my eight-year-old daughter, she said to me, you know, mom, and these were her words. 
I just go to school and I smile. I just smile all the time. And then nobody asks me what's wrong. And isn't that interesting? That was her mask. That was her, her way of coping. And what a smart. Yeah, very smart. Yeah. I just smile all the time. That she understood that. Yeah, she sure did. Yeah, you always feel like you're under the microscope too for, you know, are you moving on too fast? Are you not moving on fast enough? Or, you know, it's, you always feel like everyone's looking at you to figure out, you know. Counting. How long has it been? Shouldn't you be out there dating? And, yeah. And like, you know, yeah, pretty much way you feel like they're, you know, you're failing at something. <laughs> too fast, not fast enough. The kids are doing this. You're, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of balls you're juggling up in the air and trying to be strong on every aspect of your life. And that's hard, very hard. So would you ladies agree that besides finding a connection with a safe, supported community that helped us and encouraged us, what other shifts did you find helpful? Well, exercise. For me, just going to work and having, you know, something totally different to concentrate on while at work, you know. A routine helped. Also, I found for us, Sundays were particularly difficult. And I would try to make a plan early in the week. So we had something to look forward to, even if it was going to the beach to take a walk. We had to follow through with it because if I changed the plan at the last minute, things kind of fell apart. And I really felt like having structure and control. I felt like everything was so out of control. I I really, I like being in control. So I guess that's where the routine came in. Yeah, I think that was real important. And I think really consciously making sure you're getting enough sleep, because without that, I think everything was like magnified for me. And uh, nourishing my spiritual being was really crucial. And, you know, all those things helped being me. kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we would do church on Sundays and I'd put the kids in Sunday school and I would go into church and listen to the music and I could I felt safe to cry in there. The music would touch me or the sermon would touch me and the kids weren't around me and usually I was just by myself and I could cry a little bit. I knew the kids were safe and then the kids just used to like to run around the church playground for hours after church. <laughs> They'd like go to a pet store <laughs> and, and that was our Sunday thing. And that gave the kids like, like a routine. And that gave, like Brenda said, like something for them to look forward to. And then I didn't have to think about what else were we going to do that day. And for the kids, I think they'll remember growing up and they still talk about that, going to the pet store every Sunday <laughs> and not buying a pet. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, did you, <laughs> did you give in? <laughs> Lots at home, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> puppy therapy, I guess. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Well, that definitely helped us. We, we got two puppies and that was very loving and unconditional and a new responsibility and something we hadn't shared with David, you know, we got a, a new puppy that, and, and it was a, a new start. So that was really a fun, positive, wonderful, loving thing to share, to create memories, new memories. 
I definitely think we went a little overboard in that department. We got Uh (laughs) two dogs, two cats, a lizard. I mean, (laughs) we were doing everything we could to fill a void. (laughs) Thank God it wasn't two lizards, but you know. (laughs) Yeah, I would have had 50 lizards. (laughs) We had pigs. We started with two and had like 12 in no time. I couldn't, we couldn't even name them all. I can't do lizards. <laughs> I didn't either, but it was like the word no was kind of hard back then for me. Yes, I hear you. Okay, if that's going to make you feel better, absolutely. You <laughs> promised to take care of it. <laughs> but then I think the kids figured it out and they knew they could get you. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Smart little things. Super stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's another thing when people would visit and they'd bring the kids all toys and so for a long time, the kids would get all this attention, you know, from other family members and friends when they'd visit. And then and that was like a mask for the kids, too. They always, you know, had something to play with or look forward to or, you know, where they didn't have to deal with what was really going on in their lives, too. Like an escape. And at one point, did we take our masks off or do we still wear them now from time to time? Oh, I think we still wear them time to time. Yeah, me too. I think when it comes up, like somebody new that I've met and somehow this topic comes up, I always try to kind of graze over it because I can instantly, when you start to share, you can see their shift. So to protect them, I'm like, oh, it's fine. It's been so long ago, you know? So I think that's the only time that I might put on a mask or when you're sharing your story, doesn't matter how many years it, sometimes the emotions really just show up a lot that they actually surprise you, but it's okay. It's just, I always tend to worry about the person I'm saying to, I don't want them to think I'm an emotional wreck because it's 22 years and you're still like, you know, getting teary eyed, but you don't talk about it every day. So I think that's when it surfaces for me, but I'm happy to say that I've dropped that mask that I know I wore daily for so long. Yeah, as you deal with your feelings at different stages of the grief and and life and you get your confidence back that you you know we have raised our kids and you know still lived a very good life and not the life that we thought we would, but we still made the best out of it and took the best path we could with what we were dealt. I always tell my girls that there's not really a a better feeling in life than to be able to be proud of yourself. And I look back and I, I am proud of taking care of them and raising three wonderful daughters and, and surviving. And hopefully David's proud. And not only did we survive, but you look back that you, everyone, we all thrived too in different ways too. You know, we, you know, our kids all grew up, you know, or leading pretty normal lives, you know, and I know for mine, as they're older now, they ask more questions. I mean, you know, just about their dad, because they're trying to figure out who they are and what did, you know, what was dad's first job or, you know, as they're growing up. And so we're always going to have those feelings are always going to surface. And even like talking about this, I can feel stuff in my stomach, like, you know, like you still have those feelings are, are there or just stirs things up in us. But I think every time we feel it, it can also be healing as well. And I think that's the whole point of us being here is, you know, just 
it's all okay. And it's all so normal. And we get it. And we hear you. And, you know, if there's one piece of advice, just give yourself grace and know that it will not always be as heavy as it might be today. And it shows how deeply in love you were, you are. It doesn't just go away. It continues on and on and comes back to you through your children and through the years. And I try to think of it that way when it backs up on me. Yeah. I always tell my kids, you can have like the worst day of your life today and tomorrow can be like one of the best days of your life. You know, that, that quickly things can change around and never give up hope and have faith in your journey and your destiny and stay strong (laughs) and face your feelings. Eventually you have to face them. And as you do, it's not easy. I mean, I can remember just fetal position, crying in my room by myself, but then standing back up and, you know, catching my breath and saying, okay, let's keep moving forward. It's going to be okay. Cause no one, we don't have anyone to tell us it's going to be okay. It's us. <laughs> it's us telling ourselves we're going to be okay. And, you know, maybe other family members. And, and then when we would go to our group and talk to other people in our same situations where we realized we all felt the same. And you guys gave comfort. That was so comforting and reassuring and positive and you made it through another day and good for you and you knew you weren't alone I think that was the biggest because you definitely feel alone yeah so making a conscious decision to just be better and you know for me I said that I'm going to be better not bitter right and I think when you're honest people on how you're feeling from day to day that they're actually very kind of sympathetic too and more helpful and encouraging and understanding. Yeah. And hopefully this podcast brought more awareness and comfort to those listening. And we're all here for you (laughs) all in this together and one day at a time and you get through it. There's not a cure, but you get through it. Yes. Don't be afraid to remove that mask and smile. It is okay. And they'll love you for it. And laugh. (laughs)